0: Welcome to Becker and Broom on Bullets Forever, a podcast for the thinking Washington Wizards fan, although tonight after the Game 5 victory, I must admit I'm more of a feeling Washington Wizards fan right now. My name is Ben Becker. As always, I am joined by my friend, Kevin Broom. Kevin, the Wizards took a 3-2 lead over the Atlanta Hawks tonight and restored a little bit of faith. in their ability to win this series, it was a 103 99 victory. What did you think of the game?
1: Well, first, we got to work on your, your sports talk cliches a little bit. It wasn't just a 3 2 lead, it's a commanding 3 2 lead.
0: Right. Oh, this was a pivotal game five, obviously. Yes, a
1: pivotal game five. And the Wizards took a commanding 3 2 lead by coming up big in the biggest moments.
0: They so stepped so- up. Yeah. Because yes, I right. I stepped up. <laughs> I did see some of the local media asking which Wizards player needed to 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 step up tonight, and there was yeah. much upstepping. So, um, <laughs> so that's good.
1: Upstepping—that's going to be my new favorite uh, word. <laughs> so, what did I think of the game? Wizards sure don't make things easy, but at least they got the win and. They are in a strong position because they've got two chances now to, to close it out. And they should they should be able to win one of those.
0: After game two, I don't think that you and I were alone in thinking that the Wizards were going to win this thing relatively easily in five. They just looked, they looked well, so... Well, I didn't,
1: I didn't think that they were going to win easily, um, even then. And the part of that is I just don't... When I see... You know, something like what happens in the first two games. I think one of the things that we do as fans and analysts is we overreact to things that happen in the playoffs. We say, oh, my God, it's the playoffs. And we talk about the playoffs as if it's like this completely separate, you know, like it's a season unto itself when what you had was two games and the two games in Washington and, you know, the, the home court advantage flips and... A lot of things change can change when you get some time off, when the coaches get a chance to go back and study game film and come up with a few new wrinkles, a few new ways of attacking each other. So I really didn't think even after game two that it was going to be easy. And um, I was a little, I will say, disappointed with their performance in game three and four. But um, I really still thought the Wizards had a, you know, were probably going to win in six. That was my prediction at the beginning. And I still think that's what's going to happen.
0: Well, th- that's uh, that that's an interesting correction on your part. And again, it's, we, it's it gets back to a theme that we talk about a lot. And we create narratives for ourselves, and they are reinforced by, you know, what we hear and what we see on on TV and on on the web and the like. But the truth of the matter is, there's a certain amount of luck and randomness at play. You know, it's a make-or-miss league, as they say, and sometimes good shooters miss shots, and that's just part of basketball. And the other thing are, you know, matchups play a big role. And Atlanta, on balance, on the whole, over the course of an 82-game season, sort of as we saw, they're not as good as the Wizards. I I Mm -hmm. I feel pretty safe in saying that. But at the same time, when when they're matched up the the Dwight Howard Paul Millsap front court duo is a tough matchup for the Wizards front court and wow. um you know when you combine that with Dennis Schroder shooting better than you know having the, the best shooting stretch uh, that that I can certainly remember they're going to be they're going to be a tough out for the Wizards
1: you know, I agree with everything that you said, and I would say probably my biggest surprise of the series has been the performance of Schroeder. I'm not surprised at all that Millsap and Howard have turned out to be a handful inside for the Wizards. I thought that would be the case, but I really thought that the Wizards would be have a better handle on Schroeder, in part because Schroeder really was not very special during the regular season. He was just okay, and he's been very good in four of the five games against Washington. You know, the I guess it was game four, he was terrible. But four of the five games, he's been outstanding. And I'm a little surprised at how easily he's been able to break up the Wizards' defense and to get into the middle.
0: Yeah, tonight, 29 points, 11 assists, just one turnover, 18 mm-hmm. shots. The biggest thing, five of six from three-point range. Yeah. And I, I, I would love to be a fly on the wall in, in the Wizards' coaching room right now because... I would imagine there's some pretty robust discussion and debate, frankly, on on what to do with Schroeder, who, as you said, in four or five games has played really darn well, frankly, better than than one would have expected. And so, how much do you, you know, w- what adjustments do you make that that don't overcorrect? I mean, I, I would think mm-hmm. that you know, even if they're relatively open. You know, Dennis Schroeder's not gonna make five out of six threes very often uh, yeah you
1: just he, you just sort of touched on what I was gonna say which is basically I, he's a 34 35 percent three-point shooter so if he takes six you would expect him typically to make two so I think that the strategy strategically the thing to do is to still play under picks uh, you know under screens and screen roll and to try to keep him from penetrating because it's when he penetrates that I think he really wrecks the defense
0: yes and that's a nice segue into what I I wanted to talk about. Just uh, some bullets on on things, pun intended, by the way. Some bullets yeah. on 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 things that I like tonight for the Wizards. And first and foremost was their defense. You know, they allowed ninety nine points, uh, and I, Atlanta did not shoot well, as we know and have discussed. By far and away, the most important thing to turning in a good defensive performance is forcing the other team to miss. I feel like Atlanta mm-hmm. did miss some open shots tonight but I thought the Wizards were just overall tighter defensively. I thought it was probably their best performance, defensive performance of the series. Certainly much better than, than either of the games in Atlanta and if the Wizards can keep their defense on that level I like their their chances in game six. What did you think of the D?
1: Their best defense was probably game two, but I agree. This was certainly much better. I mean, in, in the two games in Atlanta, uh, the Hawks put up about uh, 113 points per 100 possessions in, in each game. And tonight they were back. The Wizards had them back down to about 107, which is not great, but it's fine. It's actually a little better than average in the playoffs this year because for a second straight year, pu- scoring... Uh, efficiency has actually gone up in the playoffs for the second for the second straight year you know the defense wins championships uh, but in the playoffs we actually score more efficiently
0: right careful you don't want to um dispel a widely held narrative that would be uh, oh
1: no really yeah you're right i I should never
0: do that uh, something interesting on the defense was you know tonight again because of foul trouble markeith morris only played 20 minutes uh, Millsap mm-hmm. played 35. As a result, uh, both Boyan Bogdanovich and Otto Porter uh, both played stretches matched up on Millsap, and I thought mm-hmm. both held their own. We've talked about how Bogey offensively doesn't bring a lot to, to the table other than making shots. Which he mm-hmm. did tonight, by the way. But but yep. defensively, while he is not a great defender, one of the things he does have is some heft to him, and, and I thought he bothered Millsap a little bit tonight. Otto's obviously got great length, and I think he's got good defensive instincts. I think the you know the the hardest thing for him to do defensively is to defend uh, quicker players in in space. But I thought he did a nice job, and and that in combination with the fact that the Wizards obviously tonight for the first time in the series threw some double teams at Millsap, I mm-hmm. I thought the the double teaming the, you know the the, the the double team and recover is actually suited a little bit to the what the Wizards can do well, which is use their length and their athleticism and and and, and, I, and I thought that that was a nice adjustment by Brooks, and it and it bothered the Hawks a little bit tonight
1: yeah I agree and Bogdanovich you know I guess I would agree with you with your with what you were saying um, that he does bring some heft and at least he was trying hard you know he was trying to battle Millsap inside I think it's one of those weird things that happens in the NBA where it happens at all levels of basketball where you get a big mismatch and what is it? Offensive team do they immediately get out of their usual pattern and they start trying to feed him the ball in the post and feed him in, in areas where he may not ordinarily get the ball. Millsap, while he's a power forward, he tends to play a little more on the wing and a little more of the, you know, posting up out further out that kind of stuff. Pinch and, um you know, yeah, and shooting some uh, some jumpers and, and doing some dribble penetration that kind of thing. And against Bogdanovich, they tried to turn him into you know a, a post up, low post player, and that's he can do that he's pretty good at that but he's not as a, quite as accustomed to it and the double teams can get there you know beale got a block on him for example um one thing i think that Otto porter's one assist tonight was to bogdanovich not 100 percent sure but i think it was you know and then the thing with porter is what one of the sort of weaknesses of porter so to speak is that he's not the strongest heaviest guy and so you'd figure against a guy like Millsap that maybe you know Millsap might overpower him. But the thing is, is that that strength is important, but it's also not as big a handicap as you might think. You know, like you said, he's got the length and the the savvy and the quickness to to defend somebody, especially somebody whose game is kind of like Millsap. Millsap doesn't have much of a size advantage on Porter, that's for sure.
0: Yeah. Well, the first thing on Millsap is. When when he gets an a max contract or an enormous contract this summer, I think at least people who have watched this series say what they want about him him aging or, or or whatever. But people who didn't know Paul Millsap will have some context to understand why he's a really really freaking good player. You know he has caused the Wizards a lot of problems with his ability. To get to the free throw line. His ability to make shots. it It's very frustrating watching defenders go for pump fakes at the three point line. You know <laughs> he, he clearly doesn't want to be a high volume three point shooter. And you know tonight he was 0 for 3. But but man he is able to get people to go for that pump fake. And then he puts it on the deck. And, and either can get all the way to the cup. Or or, or draw contact and, and get fouled. And he's tough. And and. The Wizards did a decent job with him tonight, you know, 21 points on 19 shots. You got to think the Wizards will uh, will take that every time.
1: Yeah, and three turnovers too, so I mean he's less than a point per possession, so that's a pretty solid outing defensively against him.
0: I think Bradley Beal may have had the best game I've ever seen when a player went one of nine from three-point range. The 27 points on 22 shots, you know, that's, that's that's fine. That's that that's not great. That's not terrible. But but the five rebounds, three steals, three blocks. I thought positional defense. I just thought his overall defensive effort was great. Obviously, th- the game would not have been as dramatic coming down to the wire if he had made another two or three threes. Which, yeah. given who he is, you kind of would have expected and and hoped. And and he's fighting himself a little bit from 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 three-point range but he was phenomenal from two tonight had some great finishes at the rim his off the dribble game is 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 really good and and I and I, mm-hmm. I thought I thought he played a a very complete game tonight really found a, a lot of ways to help even though his what he's most known for his three-point shot wasn't falling
1: I mean if there's a criticism of Beal for you know the regular season or throughout his career it's that you know he shot the ball well from three-point range but his all-court game has been somewhat lacking at times you know not big numbers in rebounding assists steals blocks you know not not doing a whole lot else other than shoot the three well and that was less true this season Um, somewhat true but less true and then tonight Like you said, he kind of did a little bit of everything. I was also very impressed with his passing. Uh, He only had one assist, which just blows my mind because I felt like he made probably 8-10 to just terrific passes, Mm -hmm. and his teammates just seemed to keep missing when he would throw them the ball. But uh, I was really impressed with how he moved the ball and how he found open teammates for good shots that his teammates just missed.
0: We're going to need Mike Crata to um, fire up the Bradley Beal missed assist tracker uh um, right. to to dust that one off um well well I, I, he's not shooting one of nine from three uh in, yeah. in in game 6 uh but but I agree and and look I mean you you got to feel good about about the 41 minutes about uh, about what he's bringing overall um and and look Otto has struggled there's no doubt mm-hmm. about it there's 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 some different aspects to that struggle, but I think tonight, you know, we got we got the quintessential Otto Porter game: seventeen points on four field goal attempts, I know. five rebounds, yeah. an assist, two steals, and a block, and of course, no turnovers. Right. Um, you know, wow.
1: Yeah, I mean, Porter has had five turnovers since the All Star break. Think about that. You know, I mean, it's it's really impressive, and like you say, I mean, I can't think of a more efficient way to play. He played thirty one minutes and had one zero point possession. That's one possession that he used where the Wizards didn't get a point. That's really, really, really impressive. And you know, this is a guy. I mean, we've talked about it before. That one of the values of Otto Porter is that he just doesn't make a lot of mistakes. He he may not necessarily put up a huge volume of stats, although his volume has been pretty good this year. But he just doesn't make bad plays. He makes shots. He doesn't make turnovers. He doesn't foul a lot. He just plays solid defense. He's in the right place offensively. He just plays the game the right way. And there's a lot of value for that kind of guy, a guy who will just play within himself, play within the team concept, and uh, make good plays when the opportunities come his way and not make bad plays trying to force good plays
0: well i know this discussion is focusing on this game and this series but Mm -hmm. i as as somewhat of an aside when this series got tied up at two and otto struggled as he did i started to worry uh, and and sort of just seeing the twitter chatter and stuff about this guy's not worth close to a max deal and and this and that, I I I started to worry with not necessarily my rational mind, but worry that the Wizards are gonna lose, disappoint in the playoffs, lose early. Otto's not gonna have, not gonna play well, and it's gonna lead to the the Wizards making kind of a rash decision on on who he is and and, and not matching a big offer if he gets one, or, or or just not generally valuing him enough. Who who knows? You know what's what's really the case. But as you said, sort of at the top of the show, it's a very dangerous thing to draw broad conclusions off of a two- or three- or seven-game sample. And we have lots of reason to believe and know that Otto Porter's really good. Um, <laughs> and the longer the Wizards' playoff run goes, I think we'll we'll continue to see that. But as, a, as an Otto fan particularly with his free agency, his restricted free agency looming, I was very relieved to see him play really well in a Wizards win because those two things are obviously related.
1: I agree. And just to be a complete downer for a moment, the Wizards front office, I've written this a few times, I've said it a few times, I've marveled at their ability to learn the wrong lesson from just about everything. And I am concerned that they will do that with Otto Porter and looking at, say, the first handful of games in the playoffs, you know, in this series and saying, well, he's really not worth it. And then doing something stupid in free agency because of it. But that's a topic for another day.
0: Right. I was going to say, when the time is right, hopefully, you know, sometime in June uh, we'll dive into that pretty deeply, and, and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of conversation on it. And I'm going to make you right about it because there is the this decision process does need to be explored. But but you're right, that is a, a conversation for another day. Yes. So the other thing I wanted to do was just shout out March Gortot. I, I know he was one of six from the field. You know he did get ten rebounds. He blocked three shots. He's been much maligned. He he played 39 minutes. He has an extremely tough assignment. I just love the effort he's giving. I thought his screen game was phenomenal night. You know there were a couple of just offensive line type screens to clear drives to the basket. There's obviously so much more to his game than shows up in the box score. I also think Mm -hmm. that. You know, a lot's been made of, of Dwight Howard laying back on, on screen in roles and roles and the opportunities that that opens up for Wizards shooters in, in the mid range. And mm-hmm. J. Michael's actually done a really nice job breaking that down. He's made that point with a critical eye towards Howard. And I I see it sort of differently. I I don't think that Howard's necessarily like stat hunting, that he's hunting rebounds. I think that the Atlanta coaching staff says, you know what? We'd rather have Wizards shooting long twos, especially if that's John Wall, than than Mm -hmm. we would um, have their guards coming off screens with the opportunity to to hit Gortat in the pick and roll. I mean, I I think Gortat hasn't been... Scoring in the pick and roll because Atlanta's taken it away and said, we're going to make you beat us another way.
1: Right. Absolutely. The The Atlanta coaching staff, they're from that, you know, San Antonio tree and San Antonio is perfectly happy. They're willing. They want you to take mid-range jump shots. And I mean, a- every coach should want the opposition shooting mid-range jump shots. That's If you could designate where your opponent shoots an open shot, you would say, let me shoot a long two every time. And so if you have a choice between letting John Wall shoot a 16 to 18 footer, that's about a 38, 40% shot versus letting Gortat roll to the basket and let Wall hit him and get a layup attempt, which is about a 60 to 65% shot. I mean, the math is really, really easy on that. One of the things I was going to say, shout out for TNT Overtime, I think they call it. They have a backboard view, which I'm really enjoying. In part because it shows the battle of the big men in there trying to get rebounds extremely well. And uh, Gortat is really tough on going to the offensive boards. He only got, I think, what, like one offensive board tonight? Or two offensive boards tonight. But he tips just about every shot that comes off the rim, just about every miss, he touches. And Atlanta really has to fight to get defensive rebounds because Gortat is in there slapping at the ball. And he's jumping up, he's coming over the top, and he's doing it in a way without fouling. So he he, he does a lot of things. Now, with Gortat defensively, one thing you also see show up in that backboard view is... He gets there a little step a step or a half step late on some penetrations. Now, whether that's because he's not rotating quickly enough or whether it's because his guards are giving up penetration that's just a little too easy, that's a little tougher to say. I'd, I'd want to go back and watch again to, to you know say definitively on that because probably a little bit of both. But it would be good if he could make that rotation a little bit quicker and challenge shots at the rim. But uh, I will say he, he does do a lot of good things, and... It seems like Atlanta's game plan defensively is designed, at least in part, to keep Gortat from shooting those high percentage layups that he might get in screen roll situations with uh, with Wall.
0: Did Greg Anthony do the game again for TNT?
1: You know, I I got to be honest, I don't know. Um, I was watching, like I said, their their uh, a lot of their uh, backboard view. Got and it. So they, they heard, I heard the announcers, but I don't know who they were.
0: Got it. I just I I, I tried t I tried the national feed early in the series, and I, I just. I couldn't stick with Greg Anthony.
1: I generally watch with the sound down anyway, so we're at least pretty low. I don't pay that much attention
0: to the commentators. <laughs> I uh, I hear that. So we've we've talked about the good. Let's talk about some concern a little bit. A- another rough Markeith Morris night and eight points on nine shots, five fouls in twenty minutes, picking mm-hmm. up a a late technical foul in in the fourth quarter of. of of a tied series in game five. Uh, I mean, look, Paul Millsap has given it to him this series. Um, Mm He, he cannot defend him without fouling. We we were pretty hopeful after game one and perhaps too, too hopeful and didn't give Millsap enough credit that, that, that he was going to adjust. But I, I don't know if, if it's Morris's playoff inexperience showing, but he's, he's having a tough time right now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He's, like you said, having a very difficult time. And it's not just him. I mean, Jason Smith is having a really rough series now. He might be out for some time with the calf injury as well. Hopefully not. But it's like it doesn't really matter who the Wizards are using at power forward. They don't have an answer for Paul Millsap, uh, at least not among the guys officially designated as power forwards. And uh, it might make sense to go ahead and go small and try to Give him some different looks. The, the problem is is that Millsap in Atlanta will adapt to that. I mean, they've got Porter and Bogdanovich on him. They've got that on film now, so they can study that. They can take a look at where the double teams are coming, and so you know he, they'll solve that because Millsap is good, and the Atlanta coaching staff is terrific as well. And the the bottom line with Morris, real quick, is you know he's. It, he's not a bad player he's just not a, he's not a really good player either you know he's just kind of average uh most nights you know on average he's an average player and that's not a bad thing you know especially he's paid reasonably but he's obviously way overmatched by Paul Millsap
0: yeah and just, you know as a as a fan and as a grown up like the, uh, the you know the, the tech really got under my skin the you know the, the calling Millsap a crybaby guy uh, r- rubbed yeah. me the wrong way. You know that 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 is what it is. It, I, I guess it's it's just noise and it's not a big deal. But look, they, they may not have any choice but to adapt a little bit and and hope that the adjustments Atlanta makes co- it comes down to Atlanta missing some threes on on rotations after Millsap gets double teamed because the the injury to Smith on top of the Mahinmi injury uh, you know really puts them in 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 a little bit of a bind I, I think that the Mahinmi injury has shown itself through the series a little bit just because mm-hmm. what, you know Smith has been their primary backup center and so there's been there's been a domino effect particularly as as Morris and Smith have gotten in foul trouble and I mean it's just I know we're focused on now, and we're not focused on last summer right now. But you know, they're that they, after they miss out on Durant, they say we love our starting lineup. We're gonna spend on our bench, and they go get Mahinmi Smith and Nicholson, and you know Nicholson's gone, and 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 they may not have either of these guys to try to close out this series. And who would have thought that they would. They would have a bodies problem trying to do so, and so I, I think we're gonna see more of of the Ubre Porter pairing, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, and and we'll see more Bogdanovich.
1: Yeah, Ubre's he had some rough games early in the series. The last couple have been pretty good, so you know I I don't know it could end up being okay for the Wizards because I'm not not that enamored with Jason Smith and not uh, and really haven't been. But uh, he, you know, he was decent during the regular season. He had his moments. Well, we could talk about the off season another time.
0: But <laughs> but look, for it. I mean, what what people love about Jason Smith is when he's canning jumpers, and right. you know, he shot two of nine tonight, and uh, in in sixteen minutes, took nine shots in sixteen minutes, and he made two of them. And you know, we've talked about this with with Bogdanovich, et cetera he he doesn't help you in a ton of other ways and when guys like that are not making shots um they are hurting you and there was a time earlier in the season when the Wizards five man lineup which you know they're starting four with Ubre instead of Morris was really productive we discussed mm-hmm. that and it was sort of like the conclusion was, well, this isn't so much Ubre coming into his own as much as it is this is a good lineup, and he's he's doing the specific things that he's asked to, um, which are uh, make the occasional three, hit make the occasional dunk and 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 be aggressive on defense. I worry about his ability to not be exposed by the Atlanta coaching staff, but they they may need him.
1: Yeah, well, they're going to need somebody.
0: Somebody to step up. <laughs> yeah, No, they, they, but but in this situation, they, uh, they they really do. I mean, you know, without a a legit healthy big off the bench, they're gonna have to stay out of foul trouble, and they're gonna they're gonna need to play well in order to beat to beat Atlanta in Atlanta in Game Six. Mm-hmm. Uh, you picked, as you said, you picked the Wizards to win in six. W- what is your your prognostic? Prognostication. What does your prognostication machine think about their their odds in game six?
1: Game six I've got the Wizards with uh, basically coin flip underdogs, about forty six percent chance of winning that game. So decent chance. And uh then a sixty one percent chance of winning game seven at home. Together that comes out to about a seventy four percent chance of winning the series. So Good position to be in. Much better than Atlanta is. Atlanta's got to got to take two, including one on the road, and they haven't really shown much inclination toward doing that.
0: Can we talk a little bit about a home court advantage? I, mm-hmm. I know you've you've read about it and you've studied it a fair amount. What are what are what drives home court advantage from from your perspective?
1: I mean, there's a variety of factors. One of them is that the officiating seems to be influenced a little bit in favor of the home of the home team one of the other factors that seems to show up is that bench players typically you know bench players role players typically play play a little better at home than they do on the road for again kind of one of those whatever reasons you know the home team tends to shoot a little bit better um, than they do on the road for sure basically there's a s- series of sort of small advantages that come and those add up to a pretty significant advantage um, this year in the nba it was about uh, 2.3 points per game was the advantage for the home team. And That's pretty significant.
0: Yeah, that's that's definitely significant. It's it's totally interesting that it, in this day and age, with sort of all the information that they have, that officials are still there's still different output uh, depending on where they are. Mm-hmm. And I guess that, in combination with with the you know with what you're talking about, bench players, is at the end of the day, these are still people who have reactions to their environment. And I, I'm I guess it's a little Curious to me that bench players would have a variability in their play, home versus road, whereas starters wouldn't. I mean, is that to say that, you know, better players are are less, uh, are, are sort of more impervious to their surroundings? That's odd to me, but...
1: Well, I wouldn't say impervious, but like I said, these effects are fairly small, but they are consistent, meaning that they show up all over the league. And, uh, you know, the The best players tend to play their best, or not play their best, but they tend to play at about the same level everywhere. And some of that, you know, wherever they're playing, home or road, and some of that is a few years back I did a study on consistency and trying to look at players' consistency, who was consistent, who wasn't. And one of the things I found was that consistency is neither a good or a bad thing. If you're a great player, you know, LeBron James, consistency is pretty good. Right, But if you are Kelly Oubre, we don't want Kelly Oubre to be consistent because his average is very low. So if his average is low and he's consistent, well, he that means he sucks all the time. Mar- you know? Marcus okay. Thornton was pretty so,
0: consistent.
1: <laughs> right, exactly. And so with the bench player, you, you don't mind some variability. But this is a very long way of saying that the area, the one stat category that showed up as the most consistent, team after team after team, player after player, was the high usage players, the players, the big, the star players, the guys who use most of the offensive possessions? Their possession usage was very consistent throughout the season, game after game after game. They're using about the same number of possessions. Their usage was usually more consistent than their scoring on a per minute basis. So the roles that put, that the teams have players in are are pretty important and have an effect. You know, at home. Versus versus away, the you know the the good players. John Wall is going to use about the same number of possessions, whether you know they're playing in Atlanta or whether they're playing in Washington. But the same might not be true of like uh, you know, say Bogdanovich or Ubre or or Sadaransky coming off the bench, something like
0: that. Although the the odds would firmly be in the Wizards' favor according to hmm. uh, to the data in in a game seven. I'd really like to see them close this out in six because. I don't need another game seven in my life right now. If uh, if the Wizards play in a game seven, let's uh, <laughs> let's make that be in the conference finals. Um, but let's uh, yeah. let, let, let's let's have them conference finals, the NBA. Finals, there you go. Man. There you go. Now now you're thinking like the optimist that I know you are. So let's have the Wizards wrap this one in game six, and uh, and the next time we uh, we get together to to chat, it, it'll be even more upbeat and uh, and smiley than usual right so friends please uh if you have not done so subscribe on itunes or soundcloud or stitcher or however you listen to podcasts follow kevin on twitter at broom underscore kevin check him out on bullets forever check him out on KevinBroom.com for non-wizards related writing i am on twitter at underscore ben becker and until next time, go wizards. This is Becker and Broom on Bullets Forever.